being around sports media and a fan of oh my NC State Wolfpack for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes it's exploring the sliding doors moments and what if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed magic in Chicago, Michael in LA, and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former sports center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will probably open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment for the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall. Legacies will change forever. New goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Everybody, welcome to the Big Six Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Wilson. I'm your host. It is Friday, June the 10th. You're listening to the podcast in audio form. Hope you're excited for the weekend. Only one week left until Father's Day. Very excited. Have a good Father's Day. I told my son that I'm going to drag him to Pinehurst, and he's going to play golf with me multiple times, even though that is not what he wants to do at all. But it's not Son's Day; it's Father's Day. So you're doing it, son. Joy, uh, is if you if you're watching on YouTube, youtube.com slash pick six, come hang out with us every basically every day on at one o'clock Eastern. It is Thursday, June the 9th. We're gonna do some news and talk about some quarterback battles. Joining me to break it down, John Breach and Tyler Sullivan, aka Sully. What's you up? know, we get through two minutes of Brinson Brinson introducing the podcast here. If I learned one thing, it is that Bro, we that's have short a 90 seconds of oh, no, well, I'm not even playing short. If I learned one thing from your intro today, because I learned at least one thing every day from your intros, it is that we clearly have different parenting styles because I'm not dragging my kid anywhere because then they're going to pout the whole day and then that ruins the day. And then that's not a good Father's Day. So I'm going to take my kid to get donuts and we're just going to eat donuts all day. She's going to love it. And we're both going to be happy. See, I don't have, oh, you kids. Don't have children. I don't so have kids, so I'm kind of like out on all this. Congratulations. You're going to lay on your couch hungover and watch the U.S. Open. Switch yeah, game. I mean, that's probably what I'm going to do. But I am actually going to actually take my dad golfing. So we're kind of having the same day, Will. So, I, look, I told Robbie. But Tyler's not going to be pouting the whole time. No, I was going to be playing a switch in the cart the whole time. He'll come okay. out and hit some pots with me. Like, yeah, I mean, it's just, that's what I want to do. I might see, I always see if I, he's like, are we going to bring everybody else? I was like, no, nah, just you and me, bro. He's like, ah, cool. Yeah. Because um, he's been, he's played golf. He, he likes golf. 18 holes is, you know, he's eight years old. It's just a non-starter. Like it would be a miserable experience for me, for him and everyone else on the course. Um, but it'll run out there on the, you know, we'll get up to the green and run out there and hit some putts and it'll be a nice way to get out of the house. Like I like to, I like to spend my father's day playing golf and watching the U S open. Like, I don't, I know that it's like technically like it's weird though. Right. So you would think that you're supposed to celebrate like, you know, like as a, as a father, I'm supposed to celebrate my son. No, he's got a birthday. He's got all kinds of other stuff for that. This is my day. No, you're my right. day. Yeah, you're right. It's not. It is not Son's day. Like no. I am. I am taking my but it dad is out. Sunday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sadly, I've always hoped. I've always like all I wanted was. Um, I got to rethink. I'm in a weird headspace. So, like as you can see over my left shoulder, 18th Baltusrol. 
flag pin, uh, pin flag, 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 flag from the, from the hole, uh, signed by Phil Mickelson. That's his first ever major win. It's, it's a practice tee, but practice flag, but whatever. Um, I've got other Phil Mickelson paraphernalia around here. Big Phil fan. Um, Phil's going full WCW Hogan. Honest. You gotta get some live golf. Uh, flags, did you guess, see? Right? Did you see what he wore to his though the first hole? No. What? What? I saw. Oh, I saw. It's, him, a, it's he's wearing this black vest. It's a black Masters vest. So it's got Ooh, the Augusta okay. logo on there, and then he took it off or t- turned it inside out or changed vest in between that. Like so, he wore it for the interview, teed off in it. Basically, it's like an fu to Augusta. I mean, which is just wild. I like it. I like it. I like going full heel. Um. Yeah, I do too. Uh, Breach, we were talking about it a little bit before we get. I mean, look, <laughs> I don't know what what did what did Debo what did Wilson and I talk about to kill like seven minutes yesterday to start the podcast? Uh, Paul Bissonette's hair. That's right. That's oh, right. Oh, I like it. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen that Breach? By the way, no, I saw Tom Brady's hair. It's orange. Well, we'll get to Tom Brady. That's actual NFL news. I'm trying, we're trying to kill some time here, so we get a Uh-oh. decently linked podcast. Uh, I was going to say the live golf stuff is going on. There's three holes to play in the first round. All black Phil Mickelson. Is he, sh- is he shaved since the first hole? He's like grew a beard. He's got a mustache. It is like crazy this heel turn. Somebody sent me a clip where like they were playing money, 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 money. As he was going to the first tee, like Dustin John. I mean, it's just it's wild how this this live golf thing is just like it's funny because and I mean I don't want to call out, you know, our colleagues, Kyle Porter. Um, oh boy. <laughs> or, or it's, it's, it's not just Kyle. It's the entirety of like the golf. And I, I love golf Twitter. I love golf media. You know, golf is my favorite sport. Clearly, because um, you've turned this into a golf podcast. Just let me do my rant. <laughs> um, and, but like these guys are doing some big league pearl clutching when it comes to this live golf thing. Like, I understand the concerns about it, but like, um, it's like it's just like the way that it's being handled is like these guys are destroying the sanctity of the game it's like well okay now i don't know i probably shouldn't give a bunch of takes on this but i like like you the usfl if like if there was a saudi-based football league would the same thing be happening i don't know man yeah no i'm with you on that it's really right it's more just about where or how the league is funded more than it is an alternate league. I don't like if this was totally clean, would anybody really care that live golf is, you know, they would care that it's making some sort of an impact on the PGA, but ultimately I don't think it would be as much pearl clutching. Right. Well, And and in the media's defense, you saw what the PGA did to uh, all the players who are playing on this tour. They said, Hey, you're gone. You're suspended. You're out. And so if you're part of the, media who covers the PGA, you are going to cross them if you start taking this other tour seriously. And so that's a delicate line you kind of have to walk because the PGA says, hey, you're covering live. Uh, you don't get credentials anymore or something like that. You, who knows? Something like that could happen. And so that makes it interesting. And then obviously, you know, the human rights element to uh, sure. the financial backing like Tyler was mentioning. And so that's I, I don't think the common fan, you know, they're going to watch golf. That's what the common golf fan is going to do. They don't care where it is. And I think that is ultimately going to be the PGA's problem. Yeah. I mean, I just think, you know, there were, there were 90,000 people streaming it on YouTube. Um, I think it was Darren Ravel tweeted out that uh, it was like an average first round of the PGA event. And I'm assuming he's talking about golf channel. Cause that's usually where it airs. 
is 375,000 people. Like, I, uh, 90K is pretty good for the first day of the golf event. We'll see how it goes. Um, you know, moving forward, uh, it's only three days, you know, 54 holes. It's a shotgun start. We talked about this a little bit, and I'm sort of looking at it. Oh, P. Mick. I don't love the scoreboard. It's hard to figure out. P. Mick is Phil Mickelson on the scoreboard. He is just three back at one under. S. Hoare. Eh, maybe we could redo that one. Sam Horsfield, uh, also at one under. I don't know why I'm giving live live scores on this podcast. Anyway, we're at, we got we banged out seven minutes on that. That's fine. Um, you guys want to talk some football? And cool. now there are four listeners left, but those four people love football. Yeah, they're starting very, a live, the live a very live thin niche demographic who love live golf and off season NFL football. <laughs> okay, this is real. So we're going to talk about another Rams extension because they banged out a. A deal with Aaron Donald to make sure he came back. And then on Wednesday evening, the Rams also took care of Cooper Cup, giving the wide receiver a three-year, $80 million extension with $75 million guaranteed, according to reports, the highest amount ever guaranteed to a wide receiver. Cup, of course, had a record-breaking 145 catches, 1,947 yards, and 16 touchdowns in a monster 2021 season. Get, uh, you know, getting on the same page, I think it's um, Adam Levitan of Establish a Run calls it the breakfast narrative. You know, he and Matthew Stafford eat like, you know, egg white omelets together every morning and then like go grind on film. And like, you know, it's it was a it's sort of a kind of tropey in the offseason. I think Seth, Seth Wickersham had a good piece on it. Uh, maybe just how these guys had bonded and gotten close. But like it worked and Cup was unstoppable. And it's it's crazy because Cup is had this Megatron like season but he's just the furthest thing from Calvin Johnson physically. You know, he's, he's a lot, he's bigger than Wes Welker and a different receiver than Wes Welker, but sort of the same style, right? He can play out, he can play outside obviously, but it's, he's beating you with his brain and with his quickness and his suddenness. Um, but he is a legitimate number one Sully and he got paid this all season. Yeah, it was, I mean, it's an absolutely massive deal. Like you said, just to even add on top of it, I believe he's the only player other than Jerry Rice to have the Offensive Player of the Year, uh, lead everything in the Triple Crowns, and be a Super Bowl MVP all in one year. I mean, it's we're talking about an absolutely massive season for Cooper Cup, so he certainly deserves it. I mean, it's just insane how much money the Rams are able to throw around, but I do like it. Like, if we are, or if an organization is throwing the draft picks away like it's nobody's business and throwing money around, you might as well just go all in and really start to invest in what you have, make this window as maximized as possible. Because once this thing ends, it is kind of going to go off a cliff at some point, I would assume, when, whether it's draft picks or, or money-wise that you're just unable to do anything. So maximize it as fast as, as much as you can. I, I don't know, Breach, that it necessarily goes off. And like you're not wrong. Like if you – look – Patriots are a good example. You know, like you don't, if you don't draft well for X number of years, yeah. you can go off a cliff. The or Rams, draft really good, what's that? Or draft it all. Or draft it all. Right, right, right. The Rams, the Rams did a good job of, you know, Cup was a later round pick, right? Third round pick, buddy. Um, was he a second round pick? Third round pick. Let's sure. call it day two. Third round. He was a third round pick in the 2017 NFL draft. I remember a credit to Peter Schrager who pumped him up before the draft. Um, I remember seeing Cooper Cup in, uh, Oh, where were we eating dinner? Oh, you know what? It was a uh, freaking, um, what's the, uh, Elmo's. It was in Elmo. He was hanging out in Elmo's, uh, you know, just having supper at the combine with his, uh, with his agents. But, um, I remember just seeing him and thinking like, ah, like, hey, you know, that guy, 
doesn't look like a superhuman wide receiver to me. Uh, but as it turns out, he is. Um, the one thing, Breach, on that on that falling off a cliff, though, I, I think it's for me, it's probably more about how long can the core, particularly Matthew Stafford and Aaron Donald, like those two guys, like how long are Stafford and Aaron Donald going to play on the Rams? I think that's how long this window is open, provided they continue to make smart free agent moves, bring in more veterans, and hit on those later round picks. But it feels like Les Snead has decided we're going to run this team like an NBA franchise where we're going to get some superstars in here. Then we're going to fill the gaps with some players who cost uh, $2 million a year. And then we're going to be competitive. And that strategy has been working. And it feels like usually when you see a successful recipe like that, other teams will emulate it. But we haven't really seen other teams embrace that because it's like they're afraid to jump off this cliff. Because if you fail, you are going to tank and be horrible. And so... Uh, you know, as Tyler's saying, you can only kick the can down the road so far. Uh, but for the Rams, it does feel like this might work because, you know, obviously we had the salary cap go you down. Sound like, you sound like that to uh, the Arrested Development meme. He's like, he's like, I've advised clients all the time about an open marriage. He's like, does it work for them? No, never. <laughs> but it might work for us. <laughs> well, I, and the crazy thing is it might because now we're getting to uh, the next two, three, four, five years with the salary salary cap is just going to shoot up and so that gives the rams more money to work with and as you said brinson it's about keeping this core together and they have it together i mean you have cooper cup under contract for the next five seasons you have matthew stafford under contract for the next four seasons you have aaron donald under contract for the next three seasons you just signed Allen robinson to a three-year deal you just signed bobby wagner to a five-year deal that hasn't out after like two years so if he's good you keep him for the five If he's not good you can get out after two years so They have all these great players, Jalen Ramsey, under contract for the foreseeable future. So it does feel like they have a strong Super Bowl window of at least two years, maybe even three years, which is just mind-boggling because they have completely turned the normal team-building strategy upside down. And I'm glad Les Snead is wearing shirts that says F those picks and and fully embracing uh, what he's done. And, And no other general manager has been able to do what he's done. Well, one of those things, when you're talking about the two-year window, I do think that that is where we're kind of sitting at, specifically if we're looking at, we're talking about the pillars of the Rams, because you got to remember in that Aaron Donald extension, restructure, whatever you want to call it. This is a new contract for Donald, I think, but yeah. Whatever the case may be, but it's after that sec, going into that third year, it's kind of an option where if he wants to retire, he can, or he can kind of opt in for another $30 million. So there is a decision there for, again, the most important defensive player on that team, arguably the most important player on the Rams in general. So, you know, you do have at least two years here of Donald if if this contract, if he lives out the, the you know, what he has right now on that contract. Yeah, and, and look, maybe you may have even been saying, you know, like the window, like the window can close as soon as two years or three years or, you know, whatever you want to call it. And Stafford has four years left on his deal before. I mean, he has five years left on his deal in total, but, you know, he'll be 37 um, you know, they can save a ton of cap money, a ton of cap space um, if they wanted to after 2025. So it does feel like it's and look like that's not a bad way to approach, a, you know, an NFL franchise if you have already just won the Super Bowl. Because like you have carte blanche from your owner, from ownership and the front office and management like the the uh, Demoff family and the Kroenke family. Cronky slash Walton's secretly earning multiple franchises. No big deal. Um, you know, but you've got like, you can do whatever you want. If you're less need without any fear of people being like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Are we sure this is going to work? You know, like, like you can 
they're going to be like, look, you already won one Super Bowl. We have so much momentum in L.A. This new stadium is like wildly popular. We have we are like there are L.A. Rams fans. And if we keep winning that like it's there is going to if the Rams make if the Rams, let's say in the next four, three to four years, the Rams make one more Super Bowl and go to the playoffs every year. They are going to have a legitimate fan base of younger people in L.A. And they're going to be like the first Los Angeles fan, like the first legit NFL Los Angeles fan base in a while. And they're, they're a cool team. They're a fun team. They, you know, like obviously I'm a Matthew Stafford honk. I, in fact, I ordered a Matthew Stafford Cooper cup NBA uh, NFL jam uh, t-shirt from homage. homage. Nice. Um, I don't know if you guys use that website. It's uh, uh, homage tees. Is it homage? Homage. homage. Right. I think it's homage. You know what I'm talking about, right? Like, yeah. I, maybe yeah, the club trail. Um, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, point being is homage. Uh, the point <laughs> being is they um, they uh, oh, this is a good question too. We'll get to that one in a second. But like, um, th- they're a fun team. Yeah, like they have players. I, I wish Von Miller would come back, but like they are a fun team and a team you want to root for. And so I think that that's sort of where they're at too. Like I don't think they care about right now life after Stafford and Donald. It's like let's you know. F them picks is sort of like, let's live in the now and just roll with what we got and see how many games we can win. And I mean, you know, there's a reason why they're, I I, just very quickly on the betting standpoint, like we talked about it, Sully, earlier this offseason. We both like him as value to win the NFC, value to win the Super Bowl. And frankly, they shouldn't be plus money to win the NFC West. That's kind of crazy. And the other thing, quickly, when we're talking about their chances to go all the way and contend for, you know, multiple years here. You got to look at the landscape of the NFC. A lot of talent has been drained and might continue to be drained over the next few years, whether whatever happens with Aaron Rodgers, who continues to talk about life after football, even though he signed a massive deal. Tom Brady retired this offseason, came back. So who knows what his future is going to be? Those are two, the Green Bay Packers and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, two of the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC, along with the Rams. If you're telling me that at some point over the next four-ish years that both of those quarterbacks are gone, Again, that's just a whole other avenue for the Rams to continue to contend in an easier conference in the AFC. And not even the easier conference, the easier division now. I mean, we were talking about how the NFC West was the best division in football last year. If your Super Bowl window is going to be the next three years in NFC, this is literally the ideal time because, look, the NFC West is down. We don't know if Trey Lance is any good. If he ends up being bad, the 49ers have to do a total reset and figure out who their quarterback is. We don't know. What if Kyler Murray signs an extension, ends up just being an average quarterback? Then they're locked into Kyler Murray. And then Seahawks don't even have a quarterback. So they have Smith and Drew Locke. Put a little respect on their names. They they don't count, do they? Yeah, they don't. They're they're both step downs from Russell Wilson. I think we can agree, right? Uh, But yeah, so you have that. And then like uh, Tyler's saying, Tom Brady might only be around for this season. That might be it. And then he's going to be a free agent. He could end up in the AFC for all we know. He could retire. And then you're just looking at Aaron Rodgers as the main guy to deal with. And he might retire. You know, he might only have one or two more years. He said earlier this week that he's going to finish. I mean, two, I mean, three absolute max, which I guess, you know, he and Stafford same trajectory, but like two, he's probably a two-year deal for him. And then if he's out, then you feel real good about your Super Bowl window if you're the Rams. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, I think it's, it's, like people, people want to criticize it because it's different, and that's just how it works. When you, anytime you do team building in a, in a like the Sixers, right, They're to trust the process. Anytime somebody does something against the norm, people want to criticize it. But the Rams have won a Super Bowl, and yes, that takes some luck. Chrisky Tard has to drop a pick. You know, you have they went all in on it. If they had, if they hadn't even, if they didn't even make, if they 
like don't make the conference championship game. If the Bucks come back and win that game, then they're getting ripped apart this offseason. Because or not ripped apart, but ripped this offseason for going all in and not winning it. But when you win it all, and some of it is luck, you get to reap the rewards of that. And now that means you're getting to double down on this core that they built around it. Um, let's see, uh, Dynamite Dave. Oh, uh, well, he said, um, dude, LA Lakers are a legit fan base, diehard year after year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Lakers and Cowboys fans. Um, you know, I, I said NFL fan base. Um, Don't forget Duke hand. either. Come on now. That right, right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Lakers fans. Once, once, once Duke's eliminated, they really dive into the NBA. Um, I, I, I mean, whatever. Uh, I like, I, I like, I went to a game at a crypto, whatever, crypto.com arena, which is disgusting, by the way. Just call it state. I, I, I never it's thought Staples, about it. Right. The Staples Center. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. I keep forgetting that. That's, like, they I don't even think about the fact that it's like Staples Center was sponsored by Staples, the company. I just, it's like Staples, you know, it's like yeah. it was actually sponsored by a staple company, uh, like an office <laughs> supply company. But at any rate, I digress. Um, Dynamite Dave actually asked another question. Please explain how the Rams keep signing players and staying under the salary cap. Well, the short answer is that the salary cap is a myth. <laughs> um, the longer answer breach is that they are structuring these contracts in such a way that to Tyler, to Sully's point, like they are kind of planning for to be, to have to pay the piper at the end of this Super Bowl window albeit knowing that, you know, the cap is going to keep moving up so they can keep being aggressive throughout that space. So, like, in 2022, just as an example, Matthew Stafford's cap hit is $13.5 million. That is extremely low for a franchise quarterback. Now, if they had to cut him, they would – they won't do that, but they would lose $61 million in salary cap space because his dead cap hit is $63 million. Um, in 2023, his salary cap hit is $20 million. That is extremely low for a franchise quarterback. If we look at um, Aaron Donald, I had his contract up, damn it. Well, real um, quick, with, with yeah. the Rams, that's what I was saying earlier, is that they basically hitch their wagon to superstar players who are proven. And you look at, uh, Brinson just mentioned Stafford, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper Cup. Those four players are eating up 40% of the Rams salary cap for 2022, for the upcoming season. So they're saying, we can build a Super Bowl winner around these four stars because if on defense, if you have a shutdown corner and the best pass rusher in NFL history, and then on offense, you have a, a, a great quarterback and a, a receiver who gets open all the time, that, that makes you a Super Bowl contender. And we'll just fill in the gaps with everybody else with a bunch of role players who are good, except they find good, great role players, whether that's Allen Robinson or Bobby Wagner, guys who already mentioned. So it is. They just say, all right, here's the nucleus we're building behind. Go fill in else, everything else. Well, it's kind of like an NBA team in the sense of uh, you have those superstars and people who are still starving for a championship, who've been in the league for a long time, are willing to come join at you know somewhat of a reduced rate and kind of want to be surrounded by that core to go win a championship. I mean, you even see it, obviously, in the NFL, too. The one thing that I was wondering, though, with the Rams, and I, know, I don't think it's the case with the superstars, the Donalds, the Cups, and the Staffords of the world, but... Are they doing any of those void years for any of these other guys? Because that's another way that you can kind of massage the salary cap. You've seen, I've, you, know, I've, you know, the Patriots did it with Tom Brady towards the tail end of his career. They had a bunch of void years that ultimately ended up, you know, being a, a bigger salary cap kind of transition year in 2020 where they didn't have a lot to spend. 
but you do see teams add those void years to kind of make it more palatable when they're you know in their prime or in their highest capabilities when they first sign. Right, and Aaron Donald's contract has those, but again, that's just kicking the can down the yeah. road, and you're hoping the salary cap keeps shooting up because you know Brinson just mentioned that Stafford has a thirteen and a half million dollar cap hit this year and twenty million next year. Well, the cap's going to go up next year, so that becomes much more feasible to absorb these higher cap numbers. So if you're the Rams, you're assuming the NFL is always going to be successful. The cap's always going to go up and we're going to stay right at the cap number uh, by just we'll kick the can down the road and we'll do that forever because the cap keeps going up. Well, you, you essentially have four players, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey, Cooper cup and Matthew Stafford. And I mean, I think we can all agree. Those are the four, you know, two dudes on each side at, and, you know, normally the point, the key position is obviously the edge rusher, right? But like defensive tackle, like you have the four key positions that take up. Um, th those are the only guys above 5% of the Rams salary cap for 2022. You didn't just say that exactly that, did you? Okay. I'll shut up then. I was, I was doing, I was, I was dealing with a personal email. I'm sorry, my apologies. I can almost, always, almost word for word, Brinson. Almost word for word. I can all I can always tell when like I'm repeating exactly what um, somebody else just said because like Sully didn't even know how to handle it. Sully's just like, what the sure. <laughs> but Breach makes this Breach makes this like he makes the exact same face whenever I do it. It's like, but Wilson you know, Wilson make, stops you after three words. So that's no, 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 the, make, do do make what you like. Yeah, it's like you squint your eyes just a little bit. I'm like, oh crap. No, no, you don't turn your head. You're just like. It's like your eye. No, you don't move your head at all. It's your eyes. It's got to be natural. I can't reenact yeah. it. It's got to be natural. So you can't well, like. It's a good thing you know how to reenact There it is. There it is. They get a little bit wider than they shrink really quickly. It's, it's a good thing. Oh, it's a good oh, thing you know how to read the cues, Brinson. I'm doing it again. <laughs> um, you know what? I've heated up a cup of coffee and I forgot to bring it up here. Um, uh, ooh, Adam Simon says, I just found a bunch of Brady Quinn rookie cards in a collection I bought. What? Now I'm done. Have you guys seen the congrats, congrats on retirement, man? That's yeah, nice. really. Yeah, congrats on um, congrats on being able to buy a skateboard, <laughs> a used skateboard. If you saw all this, uh, it, it is a shame that it's like. I mean, obviously, this is <laughs> part of like collecting, but like, you've. I mean, so I had to, I I went through all my 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 parents were like, get this crap out of our house. So I went through all my baseball cards. And all me and my brother's comic books. And it's like so depressing. All the various baseball cards that I had as a kid. Where I was like, I mean, these cards are going to be worth so much when I'm older. And they're worth like 25 cents. I think the most valuable one I found was worth like $1,000 or something like that. Which is pretty good. But for, for me, it was when we were younger, we did like Pokemon cards. Dude, and do you have those? Because those are worth something now. I do. And I've, I've got a few graded over here. Oh, um oh. so yeah oh yeah we're me and my brother are super into it but like oh, okay. there are currently a few into it still like but it but for yeah, financial I, reasons not like we're like you love pokemon or whatever. yeah no it's more like can i make money yeah. and uh <laughs> but like the uh, original nft yeah exactly but the uh what, what stuck what stunk was you know me and my brother would play pokemon so like some of them are like su like super valuable but also super damaged so they don't grade that well i'm like yeah you know had only i just put them in and didn't do so... anything I hate to even like confess this because it makes me sick to my stomach. But um, initially, when I got this giant, I mean, giant like cardboard box, like, like, like moving box full of like baseball cards and all kinds of cards. And I was trying to go through and like, you know, just I ran into some, I, I, these were not my, I shouldn't even say this because I'm going to get like sued for this by my oh, boy. brother. 
Um, but I was like, what are these stupid garbage pail kid cards doing in here? And threw out like five, like there's like five of them, threw them out. And then I looked them up and I was like, oh, oh no. I think they're worth like five hundred dollars a piece. Or something. Why would you throw away garbage pail kid cards? Exactly, the greatest oh. cards. In like, <laughs> Excuse me, I need to get to the Robin Ventura rookie cards here. <laughs> like, like, like freaking trying to think who the most common rookie, like the ninety-two Fleer. Like it's like you're like, oh look, I got a Griffey Junior. Like, no, that's not the Griffey Junior that anyone cares about. Like, yeah, Nolan Ryan, uh, none of them are worth anything. I'll tell you guys um, what. If Pogs ever come back, I'll be a billionaire. Just you know what is a, you know what is a cool. billionaire. I'll, right, I'll tell you what. We're gonna take a quick break, and after the break, I'll tell you about the most exciting basketball card that I found in my entire collection. Next, the all new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers, I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe, the Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing, learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com, call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I love the commercial today. Um, <laughs> uh, so do you remember the um, silver top? I think it's, uh, it's the silver. It's not tops. It's like the main basketball card. They have the panini? silver background. You know what I'm talking about? Um, it's not Panini, is it? Is that what no. Saying? From the 90s? Yeah. Flair Ultra? It's, um, oh, it's called, it's just hoops. NBA hoops. Okay. So there's one. <laughs> it's like that sounds made up. No, no, it's it's yeah. You guys are. I guess you guys. You're, yeah, it's NBA hoops. And there's, it's like the silver. It's like a little art shot of all the players. It has the name in the top left position. They did a whole like uh, dream team series as well. Um, very like the most popular early '90s basketball card. Well, the one that is worth the most out of the entire set. You'll never guess who it is, so I'll tell you. And you'll never guess why. Judd Bushler. No, but that's a pretty good guess. Mark Thanks. Jackson. What? Do you know why Mark Jackson? Oh, I know exactly why. Yeah, you know why? Do you know why? Yeah, I know exactly yeah, why. By all means, if you know why, tell. Because it's at Madison, is it Madison yes. Square Garden and oh, yes. it's the uh, Menendez brothers. The Menendez are, brothers are uh, in the, yeah. Yeah. the game, front row. Yeah, like yeah. you can look it up. It's like Lyle and um, what's the other one? 
Lyle and Kyle? Why do I think it's Lyle and Kyle? Lyle and who's the other Menendez yeah, brothers? Eric. Like Lyle Eric and Lyle Menendez are sitting in the back just and actually it, it appears that now it's not maybe it's like 25 bucks or something. So I, th I thought it was worth like more than that. But um anywho, that one's like the most the most popular one because it has two Menendez brothers sitting in the background of it. That wasn't as yeah, anyway. Uh you know what? Listen, when, we, when we run out of content on like uh July 7th, you should just go through your entire card collection. Okay. Yeah. During, we have, during we'll the have, uh, part of the NFL offseason. Maybe we'll have our, yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll I don't want to be on that show, but I, you could do that. You gotta bring you gotta put my brother on that. He's got he's yeah, he does all, he does just have Brenton a little and Sully's card, brother. card talk. Be great. Actually, is he is he is he big into like baseball cards too? Or just Absolutely like, huge into it. He's got a yeah. uh all, he's but he's big into vintage, you know, tobacco cards. He's got a pretty insane collection. Really? Do you want to yeah. older about, or younger? Uh, younger, younger. He's 26. He's going, he's, I think I'm going down to Atlantic City with him in uh, end of July. Like a convention? Card, the card uh, convention or whatever it is. A couple of Neds? A couple of Cod Neds? All he had to say was Atlantic City. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, like, yeah I'm going to card convention with you in Atlantic Absolutely, City. Absolutely, man. Yeah, this is you tell your fiance. Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah, that sounds. Yeah, that's unbelievable. <laughs> I'm going to a card, a baseball card convention in Atlantic City. She's like, what's her name? Uh, <laughs> no, no, yeah, you know, uh, my brother. My, I don't know what your brother's name is. See, he goes by Sully as well. He, he does. He does. <laughs> He's and, uh, uh, sports card Sully on Twitter. If you want to, oh really? Him a follow. Yep. There you I'm go. Follow. Let's check him out. Sports card Sully. You guys want to know fun fact about football? Oh, wait, cards? Wait, wait, wait. Can you say sports card Sully in an extreme Southie accent for me? And also uh, make a Twitter handle for it. Sports card Sully. Like that. <laughs> that's that's for this. Really I think it's ca card Sully. Ca that's ca ca I was about to say card Sully. <laughs> <laughs> it I looks like Sports Card Sully is still stuff. available on Twitter. I'm gonna go ahead and, and uh, steal that and then sell it to you. <laughs> Jeez, Breezes, savage. Sorry, um, got a corner of that market. Early bird gets the worm. Anyway, this is uh, if you're new to the podcast, if you're just getting into the podcast for whatever, we don't usually spend a half hour a day talking about uh, cards. No, no, no. This is what the like two hours. This is what the offseason will be like. Yes. This is, no, no, we do actually preach. We, we do spend a lot of time doing nothing. I wanted them to show up for the next show. I didn't want them to stop uh, listening. Simon o, Adam Simon o wants, wants to know, Sully, does he does he have a whatnot show, Sully? Does he what? Exactly. Does he have a whatnot show? I don't know. I don't know what that is. I don't know. I bet your brother knows what that is. He probably knows what it is, but I don't know. Um, so, yeah. Uh, actually, I found that um, I, I spent... Because the so the baseball cards were mostly mine, yeah. And then by the time my brother wasn't quite as into baseball, um, and uh, and but I was also huge into comic books. But like looking, like just sort of looking through, like these comic books are worth way more than the baseball cards. Like oh, yeah. way more. Yeah. Um, I found some pretty good. Uh, what's what not is a um where you sell sports cards apparently. Oh, I'll sign up for that. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, yeah. You might, but like I've been, I've just sort of like been looking up, so like off, you know, I've been sifting through these comics and like, um, it's weird because the oh, you know what, we don't this isn't a comic book show. What am I talking about? What am I? What is happening here? <laughs> Sorry. And and moral of the story is you can you make some good money off of them. Again, it's a big investment, but you can make some money if you get some good ones. Yeah, well, especially like the modern ones. I think people are buying. It's more of like a, it's less like collectible and more like sort of a. Um, like a, like a, like a, like a, 
like, like a bartering economy. Like there's more, the movement is much faster in modern card collecting than it was back in the day. Yeah. To bring it back to football even too, cause that's kind of somewhat blowing up. Even last year's class uh, just came. My brother was just telling me this. It's a huge rookie class. And uh, obviously in uh, the, but the um, a specific box came out for that. And it's supposedly like two grand to even get close to it. it it's insane. Like if, cause you can like go to target and buy a box of like, crappy cards for but they're still expensive but to get these like nice cards oh look at this a dollar 32 you don't have to spend two grand on cards you can go on ebay right now and buy a jim breach rookie card for one dollar and 32 that's a steal that thing looks probably cooler your dad was than you are i mean he's wearing a raiders jersey it doesn't get much cooler than that he's just got both arms on the bench chin strap loose he's like yeah i'm gonna bang that field goal that's that's literally a kicker's life right there just chilling on the bench watching the game and i was gonna say real quick is that I didn't know this until I got a little bit older, but if you are an NFL player, I don't know if it's still the case now, the card company send you the entire set of any set that you're in. So like every upper deck set or Fleer Ultra or Fleer or Score or any of the team tops, anybody that made an NFL card while my dad played, we just got sent like a box that included a thousand cards uh, every single season. And it'd be like eight boxes or eight different companies and they just show up in a UPS delivery, and now we don't have any more of those cards, so we can't sell them. Sorry, man. Simono, who's apparently locked into this card thing, tosses up breach. He's every he tosses up Debo. He says a thirteen-year-old pulled a one out of one Mac Jones card from that box, sold it for a hundred grand yeah, cash. That's that's what me and my brother were talking about. That kid, yeah, it's he literally pulled it and sold it the same day for a hundred grand, and then the other guys already flipped it for one hundred seventy-five, which is like. It's great that you got a hundred grand, but you're like, oh god, did I should not have done that? I should yeah. have held that one. It's crazy. You pull a one out of one like Mac Jones card, squat on that puppy. That kid, that kid's from Ohio too. That's what you get for being from Ohio. Um, yeah, you get a hundred thousand dollars richer. I guess we're gonna talk Baker Mayfield now. Sure. All right, let's talk Tom Brady. Yep. Because um, Tom Brady won finally gave his first press conference since he returned from retirement his five second retirement that we did 14 emergency podcast on uh and then two is like tweeting a bunch of like pictures of dudes in underwear because he's trying to sell the brady brand so like maybe it's time to mute tom brady on twitter as funny as he is not that there's anything wrong with you know it's just not my you know not not i cultivate my feed and that's not what i cultivate in my feed you know i'm allowed to. you don't want tom brady prancing around in his underwear on your twitter feed not particularly, no. Okay. I, I unfortunately, or fortunately, however way you want to look at it, had to I've turn alerts off. Turned on turn off me. alerts. That was that was it. It was yeah, once I got once I got uh, Tom Brady and all his glory. I was like, oh, he has two alerts on Twitter: one for Tom Brady and one for underwear. So that hit them both. He's been. Right, yeah. it, it was it was quite the Avengers Endgame moment for me. It was just <laughs> it was unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> um, Brady said, uh, asked about. Continuity, blah blah blah. I said the season's already started. You're competing every day out there. You're either getting better, you're getting worse. You're not. Oh man, this is some real Patriots talk. You're not going to go out. You're not going out there to break a sweat. You're out there to get things done. I think it should be, in my opinion, our best opportunity to play our football because we, our best football because we've been together the longest. And why shouldn't it be? We know each other. We know the scheme. We've been through a lot of challenging circumstances and games, and now we got to go out there and execute it as well as we possibly can. Man, that sounds like Pat's Tom Brady. Uh, but more interestingly, he got asked if there's any beef between him and Bruce Arians, and he said zero. 
So I don't know. Do we believe what that? He's like, hell yeah, Bruce. How's your time? It's his exact quote was quote. He and I have a great relationship. Part of the reason I chose here was because of Bruce. So apparently that whole, I don't know. It feels like they could have been not hungry. I mean, you can be friends with someone off the field and not like their demeanor and coaching style on the field. Like to me, that is very plausible. Uh, what do you think, Sully? I was going to say, if you take out the, the back end of that, and it's just, you know, part of the reason why I signed with Tampa Bay, blah, 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 you just take out, just you just look at the, the meat of it. You could say he's talking about Belichick, too. And we all think that that was an icy relationship as well. So it's like, I think he kind of knows how to maneuver in these situations, given his, you know, exit with New England and, and the, you know, fallen relationship with Belichick. He knows how to answer these things. He's not going to give us anything particularly insightful and you know about you know if there was a weird relationship between him and Arians which again very similar to Belichick a lot of speculation that it wasn't particularly great but Belichick didn't retire uh 13 days after Brady you know announced he was coming back that one season this is just a little yeah it would have been interesting though like you know again not to go back or anything like that but like in 2020 it would have been interesting if Kraft was like nope I'm gonna you know re-sign Brady and that's gonna be the end of it and see what happened with Belichick at that point Speaking of Belichick, I thought this was interesting. Um, not to segue off of Tom Brady, we can get back to it, but you know, Mac Jones. Uh, this is via uh, Miles Simmons of Pro Football Talk. Uh, Mac Jones, I think this is a Patriots YouTube press conference. Um, you know, we're trying to figure out. We we talked about this, Sully. Like, is it Joe Judge or Matt Patricia going to be the offensive coordinator? Because regardless of which one it is, people in Boston and across the country are going to be like. All right, Bill, this offense better not suck because, like, again, it's like, really, Bill? Like, you're going to leave your, like, this is a huge year in New England, right? I mean, we all, you know, they're not the favorites to win the division. They might not even be the second best team in the division. It's an uphill battle to make the playoffs with their roster, we think. But it's a huge year. Like, they, they can't miss the playoffs, and they can't be sub-500, or else Bob Kraft is going to start saying weird stuff this next offseason, and it's going to get uncomfortable, and you know, like Bill Belichick has a career, like a lifetime contract, you would think, but maybe not. At any rate, uh, Miles Simmons, Belichick's been notoriously tight-lipped about who's coaching what and how the offensive scheme will change after a long time coordinator Josh McDaniels departed because of the Raiders head coach. Jones didn't give away, Mac Jones didn't give away much in his Thursday press conference either, though he did note just how much more involved Belichick has been with him this year. It was fun for me to get some snaps from him, Jones said, but we were just talking through something with the running backs, and like you said, he's very hands-on, and last year he was more with the defense and stuff. Now it's like, okay, let me show you this. And he's kind of coaching us and coaching the running backs in that drill in the way that they need to get through the line of scrimmage. So he's very hands-on. I feel like we made a lot of growth together as an off- offensive unit with him, and obviously personally with him as a quarterback's group. So we're all on the same page. I think this is fascinating because Belichick has long said – you just made the face again. Am I, am I, no, I didn't. I'm, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Okay. Uh, so now you're mistaking my tooth. I'm like, yeah, this is fascinating. It is okay. Okay. Yeah, actually, I did read that. Anyway, Belichick has long said that he believes all coaches should be able to coach both sides of the ball, and Tom Brady has long talked about the fact that when he was with the Patriots, part of the reason that made him such a good offensive player and able to diagnose defenses was working so hands on with Bill Belichick in the film room, right, Sully? I mean, that's. Like this has a little bit of that to it, and makes me feel a lot better about where the Pats are on offense. If Be- if Belichick's like, hey, you know what, Steve, 
go do something with the defense. Mayo, Steve, Mayo is still there, right? Yep. Yeah, they got, they got Mayo and baby Belichick. Like, y'all are doing the defense. Don't screw it up. You know what I like to do. Go run it. Hey, Mac, it's my time now. Like, that makes me think, like, all right, this offense actually could be pretty good. Yeah, I mean, you know, if they if if Belichick is extremely hands on, and I mean, I mean, he was the freaking center for some of those drills the, the, over the course of uh, OTAs or whatever it was, but um, if he's going That's back, what back to admit from snaps from him, like right. Belichick is snapping the ball to him, and like like you can't get much more hands on than that. Literally hands on. But if he goes back to what we saw, I forget if it was a football life or, or whatever NFL Films thing was, when Brady and Belichick were in the room together, literally just going through game plans and having those discussions. Yes. If that is what Mac Jones is getting, if that is what is is kind of evolving here in New England or getting recreated in New England, well, that's a great thing for the offense. That right there in itself is going to help, whether it's Patricia Conplay's judge or Belichick having a heavy hand in all of it. That alone, I think him just being that involved and turning his attention maybe a little bit away from the defense and to Mac Jones and that development, that is what's going to help the team. Because, again, that's the most important thing this season is the development of Jones. Yeah, and I think Belichick obviously knows that because he didn't hang around the offense last year because I don't think he thought he needed to. He had an implicit trust with Josh McDaniels. He knows that Josh McDaniels knows what he's doing, and he just kind of said – it seems like for the past 10 years or since uh, McDaniels came back after the the Broncos debacle – uh, it was just, hey, Josh, you do your thing on offense. I don't need to chime in. You know, I might tell you when we're going for it on fourth down, but other than that, you're running the show over there. And so now that McDaniels is gone, I don't think Belichick, you know, even though we see Patricia kind of taking part and uh, Joe Judge, I don't think he had, he doesn't yet have that implicit trust that he had with McDaniels. And I think he's going to try and figure out how he feels about one of those guys kind of permanently running it. And if he doesn't feel comfortable, it seems like he'll just do it himself. Yeah, I mean, it's – or at the very least, he's going to build out an offense. I think I think Belichick will build out the offense, and then he will essentially tell Joe – maybe he's calling plays himself on the sidelines. Like, that wouldn't be that crazy. And you let Mayo and Steve Belichick call the defensive plays. Um, or you give him, like, a you know basic you know assignment set up and have him do it like that. Um or he says, all right, this is our offense. You know, it has a lot of the concepts that you already know, Mac. We're sort of building this stuff together. You want you to learn this and this and this. Here's how we're going to do this and this and this. And he's like, hey, Joe Judge, you're you're calling the plays, but you're calling it with like a governor. Like, you don't have the freedom to go outside this, this area of the play sheet unless you check with me first. Like, that would – I could see that potentially happening as well. Yeah, I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And Belichick said this week, too, that they were kind of – I think he, I think they said streamlining the communication or wh- whatever that term and whatever they were kind of talking about was streamlining how they communicate and how they're kind of like running the offense there. I don't know if that's for Jones or if that's for Judge Patricia, but either way, if it makes it easier for all of those guys to operate together, it's a you know it might be multiple voices going at Mac Jones. At least it'll be the same message getting across. I could see a situation where Belichick's on the sidelines sort of CEOing what's being called and like approving, like, you know, like sort of sometimes you see like Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy, where it's like, obviously Andy Reid is listening and, you know, can jump in and be like, whoa, no, let's do this. Um, and it's Patricia in the booth, just, just like he's got the play sheet and he's calling it. And like, I could kind of get behind that if only because Matt Patricia, clearly a major failure as a head coach of the Lions. 
mm-hmm. but a very smart dude who is probably capable of taking a list of offensive plays that designed by Belichick or, you know, built by McDaniels and Belichick. And then like knowing how to script them correctly over the course of a drive like that, that to me is not that crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I could totally see that. Like, I, I wouldn't think, want I Joe Judge stomping around the sidelines, like calling plays. I don't know if that's, or at least from reports from camp, it, they, you know, there's a bunch. I, I think Jeff Howe, the athletic, had it too. If it looked like uh, Patricia was the kind of the one running it, like if you were just kind of seeing it from the naked eye, I think it was how, not forgive me, but sure. um, it, I think they were saying that it would be, look, if you went and looked at it from the naked eye, it was like Patricia running it. And if it's Judge working as a quarterback's coach and Patricia calling plays and Belichick overseeing it all like a CEO, you know, I guess it could be worse. I guess it could be just like, hey, you know, just run it yourselves and Belichick's going to be over with the defense. But I, I don't necessarily hate that structure if Belichick has the heavy hand. I will say that, um, and I, I know that people love when I take this podcast and steer it back towards like an NC State thing. But um, oh boy, well are the Dolphins doing? When did the Dolphins do the co-offensive coordinators? Was that are they doing that this year? Did they do that? No, 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 they're not doing that this year. It was like no, that was twenty. Was that last year or twenty twenty? Either uh, way, twenty so, was was O'Shea, I think. Right, I think that was Chad O'Shea as the OC. Then it was last year. So it must have been last year. Okay, no, it never works. Is, is what my point was. If you do, if you do multiple offensive coordinators, at, yeah, because Chan Gailey was twenty twenty, and they had Godsey okay. and Studisville last year. Um, to what Shea was nineteen? Must have been, yeah. Whatever oh, that by was. the way, they they started off uh, one and um, seven. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't work? And I think they probably changed at that point. NC State did that where they had co offensive coordinators. It is it, it, again back to the Tobias Funke meme. It's like, does it ever work for anybody? No, it doesn't. But it might work. Like the Pats cannot have co-offensive coordinators. Like it just if the, if that's the route Belichick goes, I would be extremely concerned. It's just like you just have two dudes, you two dudes trying to reach a compromise on what play to call in the heat of the moment of a football game, and it doesn't work. So for me, I want like I want to see that streamline. Like if Belichick has some system built out where it's checks and balances, and Joe Judge is providing input, and Matt Patricia's calling the plays, and Belichick is CEOing it, I can get down with that. Sure, but. So, I don't know, like, Belichick being that hands-on with the offense, at least, I think, is a positive sign for Mac Jones and for this Patriots offense. It makes me a lot more optimistic about their uh, 2020 hopes, 2022 hopes. Yeah, I'll say it makes me less nervous. I think yes. I'm not going to be optimistic. I'm just going to be a little less nervous about how it's going to turn out. Right, like, if you got in the car, if you got, you know, you're getting in a, let's say you're getting in a minivan or a, a sprinter van, sometime a big, you're going on a, you're going on a, a long trip, Right. And you find out at the last second that the people you're going on this trip with, you're sharing the van with them. It's Bill Belichick, Matt Patricia, Joe Judge, and Mac Jones. I mean, you know, your comfort level, if you jump in the back of the van and Joe Judge is behind the wheel, is pretty low. You know, you jump in and Matt Patricia's behind the wheel, you're terrified. Belichick behind the wheel, you're like, ah, sit back, relax, I'm good. Um, any, anything else on Tom Brady before you get it? No, I mean, all, all the Brady stuff was, you know, I, I think, or not all of it, but like the stuff that we just talked about with Brady's generic quarterback speak at this time of the year, we're working hard, we're trying to get better. The only thing that I thought was interesting was he did comment about Gronkowski and just said he'll make whatever decision, you know, we'll love him, we'll love to have him back, but whatever is best for him type of thing. Well, so and the other interesting thing was he didn't deny talking to the Dolphins. Oh, I like that. That was the, oh, um, that is interesting. He, he didn't say, hey, yeah, we talked to the Dolphins. I almost became an owner and player. He just didn't say no. He said, uh, I think for me, the most important thing is where I'm at now. So basically, he just ducked the question. That's 
that's pretty much confirming without that's confirming. Con- that's confirmed. That's Brady saying, I'm not going to answer it, but yes. And I'm not going to lie and say, no, I didn't. <laughs> Please and, don't be a jerk and press me on this. <laughs> right, exactly. So I thought that was interesting that he didn't go out of his way to shoot that down. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, the it's pretty hard to find a Cooper Cup extension, big deal. Um, but like, it's pretty tough to find content in like, this is the, not the slowest time of the year, but it's pretty close to it. Yeah. Right after mini camps. No, 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 we are about to hit like, yeah. The slowest time of the year. That's when we're going to be talking. You did breach, but talking cards, trading cards all the time. Yeah. Um, this podcast comes out on Friday in a week from today. That will be, there are no more mini camps. So correct. it's that's when Brenton, uh, we just, Crisco has his crappy top 100 list coming out next week. He can't. Oh, oh. He's been texting about it nonstop. He's like, John, what about too many wide receivers? I'm like, who cares? Just slap it together, bro. Like, I asked him if he could, uh, if he could join the show next week, and his response via email was, maybe, maybe not. Oh, oh, oh. no, maybe, maybe not. Depends on what else I have that day. Thanks, Pete. I'm going to do HQ next Tuesday for an hour talking about his stupid list. He was going to put DeAndre Hopkins on there instead of Terry McLaurin. I was like, what are you doing? Take Hopkins off. Hopkins had like 500 receiving yards last year and suspended the first six games of the season. I was going to say, like, you, can, you can more easily make a case why Hopkins is, should be off the list than Terry McLaurin. Than on. You know, or like, yeah, but like, why would on. you even, like Pete's been complaining about Hopkins declining for years. Like, take him off the list. You scared he's going to tweet about it? Like, what's he going to be like? Oh, bro, I'll prove you wrong in game seven. Like, <laughs> And honestly, that would be a good thing, right? Yeah, like, yeah, at the exactly. end of the day, that's a good thing. Right. The only time that anyone's ever cared about this list was when he left Minka Fitzpatrick off and all the Steelers started tweeting at CBS Sports HQ. And, you know, they love engagement. So piss somebody off, Pete. Grow up. Pete, Do it. pull up your pants, take off the bra, and be a man. What Pete. a quit. It's one of the all-timers. Oh, we gotta get Kevin Harlan on this offseason. He'll, do, I think, he'd do it. We'll have him do a custom pick six. Oh, uh, all right. Anyway, let's get the hell out of here. I don't know how we got this to fifty minutes? What a miracle! <laughs> I don't have many skills, <laughs> but talking about nothing for a lengthy amount of time is uh, is one of them. All right. Thanks for. By the way, if you're uh, if you're watching live on YouTube and you want to, if you want to hear me talk about. Nothing for an even longer extended period of time. I'll be guest hosting with uh, Nick Costos on You Better You Bet on Thursday evening from 3 to 7 p.m. So uh, feel free to fire up that if you are you know, can't do it if you're listening to the podcast on Friday. If you are listening to the podcast on Friday, have a great weekend. For Sully, for Breach, I'm Branson. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We will talk to you guys later. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Fantasy baseball draft season is upon us, which means you need to listen to Fantasy Baseball Today, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network. Join Scott White, Chris Towers, and me, Frank Stample, six times per week throughout March. Sleepers, breakouts, busts, live mock drafts, spring training updates, and everything in between every Monday through Saturday. Make sure to download and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and everywhere else podcasts are found.